Hello. You guys glad to be in church? You sound good. Well, welcome. Uh, let me say hi to all of our first-time visitors, uh, no matter where you're at. Um, let me just say this. If you're a first-time visitor to Red Rocks Church, um, you don't have to wonder. All right, and here's what I mean. I know what it feels like to go into a church and go, A, churches are weird, right? And then the weirdest three people in the church are going to be the ones that say hi to you first. And so you're, you're going to come into church, you're going to sit, and you're going to wonder. You're going to wonder. I wonder if they really want me here, right? I, I, like if they knew me, if they knew what I go through, if they knew what I've been through, if they knew the sin in my life, if they knew how I live, if they knew my doubts, would they really want me here? And I just want to tell you this. If you're a first-time visitor, I don't care if you're at one of our Denver-based locations, if you're at our Brussels campus, if you're at one of our God Behind Bars campus, if you're at Guantanamo Bay, at KDEP, watching somewhere, in the gym, in a car, online, you don't have to wonder. At this church, you are welcomed, accepted, and loved. And we're glad you're here. We're in a teaching series right now <clears throat> called Let's Go. And if you've been here, you know about it, right? And we've been talking about how we've got a let's go God. And tonight we're going to take that a step further. We're going to talk about how we don't just have a let's go God. We have a let's go against all odds God. And that's what we're going to get into today. The staple verse for this teaching series has been Jeremiah 29, 11, And it's this. God says this, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And every now and then, we've been talking about how every now and then God seems to get our attention. It's crazy how God will use any circumstance to get our attention, isn't it? And every now and then, and you know what I'm talking about, every now and then God just sort of taps you on the shoulder, sort of gets a hold of your heart or your mind, and he says, hey, let's go. This is one of those moments. Let's go. Let's go, I've got new for you. I've got next level for you. I've got something deeper for you. I've got something more meaningful for you. Let's go. Let's go chase down the plans I have for you. Let's go chase down the dreams that I've put in your heart. And every now and then we feel that. And I believe that right now we're in one of those moments as a church family. And so we've been looking at this let's go passage in Exodus. We've been talking about the nation of Israel and Moses. And if you haven't been here, let me catch you up real quick. The nation of Israel, they were slaves for 400 plus years in Egypt. And, and one day Moses is out in a field watching someone else's sheep. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. And God shows up and says, let's go. Let's you and me, let's go to Pharaoh, let's go to the king, and let's go tell him to let everybody loose. And Moses is like, what? And, and there's this fun conversation that happens, and they argue for a couple chapters, but eventually God convinces Moses, no, this is your calling, walk in it. And so he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let the people go, and they say no, and then there's the ten plagues. Right? And if you didn't even grow up in church, you're probably fairly familiar with this story. There's the 10 plagues in Egypt. They finally let them loose. Moses leads approximately 2 million people out. They change their mind, chase them down. God miraculously parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. He closes it back up. And on the other side of experiencing the greatest miracle that anyone had ever seen or heard about is for the first time this free nation of people 
called the nation of Israel. And it was through this group of people that he was going to bring Jesus into the world. It was this group of people and the miracles that they had experienced that would literally change the course of humanity. But change everything for this world. And Moses got to lead the whole thing. But it started, and we have looked at this before in this series, it started in Exodus chapter 3 with one conversation, with a let's go conversation. Let's reread it. Exodus 3, verses 10 and 11. So now go. I'm sending you, God says. He's calling him. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? What he's thinking is, this sounds crazy. That's what he's thinking. How can somebody like me do something like that? Have we, do you not know me? What? Right? That's what he's thinking. And in fact, we know from the next two chapters, Moses thinks this is so crazy that truth be told, he just wants to walk away. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and it's so crazy that you think, I better just walk away right now. Like, or the way they say it, you go, okay. And you just start processing real quick and you're like, I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. I'm going to start swinging, win, lose, or draw. You know what? I better walk away. Like, what you just said is so crazy, I'm just going to walk away. You ever had one of those moments? I think that's how Moses is feeling. I had one of those moments this past week in my own house. I walked into the kitchen, and, and I'm trying to eat healthy right now. Um, and, and I'm just, my goal in life is really just get a little less fat. That's what I want. I want a little less fat than I currently am, okay? That's my goal. So I'm trying to eat better, and my wife sometimes helps me, sometimes hurts me in this venture. I kid you not, just this week, in the same day, she brought two boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts into the kitchen, and in the same day, later said, I can just cook you a piece of chicken if you like. <laughs> yeah, I need a piece of dry chicken when I got two boxes of Krispy Kreme right there. You see, so I walked into the kitchen and I already know, like, I got to be careful. And right there, wouldn't you know it, right there on the counter is this plastic container with six chocolate cupcakes. Guys, I got a sweet tooth, okay? I got a problem with sweets. And I'm looking, and it, they look amazing, right? And if they're chocolate cupcakes and they got about two inches of chocolate frosting on top of them. Now I'm trying to watch what I eat, but when God drops something straight from heaven into your life, you take him up on it, right? And so I open up and it's one of those little plastic containers, you know, it's got the little divots, you know what I mean? And so like you have to, like they, they, each one pops, right? So it's a pop, 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 and it opens up. Well, my eight-year-old son, Ashton, he's in the living room. He hears me opening up the cupcakes. He doesn't even look at me. He just keeps watching the TV. He's got his back to me and he goes, you won't like them. <laughs> now I'm over here opening up the cupcakes and I'm like, what's he talking about? I won't like them. I'm like, they're all six here. Like he doesn't know. Did he take a bite out of them? And so now I'm like inspecting the, no bite has been taken out of the cupcakes. Like they're in perfect shape, perfect form, and then all of a sudden it hits me. You know what he's doing. Chunkerific wants them all for himself. So he's telling me, oh, you won't like them, right? That's what's happening. So now I know the game. So now that I know the game, I'm like, okay. So he goes, you won't like them. I go, how do you know? Without even looking at me, he goes, because I licked them. (laughs) 
I said, you licked all of them? He goes, yep. You won't like them. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I should have, there should have been punishment that came with that. There should have been a conversation, right? He should have had to apologize, make it right, move out. Something should have happened. But I didn't even know what, I literally just went, pushed the little divots in. And I just walked like it was so crazy. Like he licked all six of them. And I just walked out and my wife comes walking in the kitchen as I'm walking out. And she could tell something was wrong. She's like, what's up? I said, "Uh uh-uh, talk to your child. Go talk to your child. When he licks all six cupcakes, he's yours. Go talk to him. But it was so crazy. Really, I didn't even know what to say. I just walked. What Moses is hearing from God is so crazy to him. He just wants to walk. Part of him. And you know what this feels like. Part of me wants to walk, but part of me deep down inside wants God's will to happen in my life. So I don't want to walk no matter how crazy it is. I want to stick it out. I want to find out. I want to walk this through. What is it? That's where he's at. But I'll tell you one of the reasons why he thought it sounded so crazy. And you're going to get this because we feel this. Because what he's hearing from God and his situation in life didn't seem to line up at all. What what he's hearing from God, what he thinks God's calling him to do, compared with his actual lot in life, makes no sense. Have you ever had that happen? You ever heard one of God's promises and then try to compare it with where you're at in life and go, yeah, right. I don't know about you, but when I first read this story, I didn't read all the details real clearly, and I just sort of read through it, right? And so when he calls Moses to go to Pharaoh, I picture Russell Crowe in Gladiator. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I picture Moses as. You may know this, some of you, some of you may not. When God called Moses, that verse we just read, Moses is 80. Do you know that? He's 80, And it's not like he's 80 and successful. His job is watching sheep in a field. And he's watching somebody else's sheep. He didn't even have his own sheep. I mean, it's bad enough you got to watch sheep all day, at least if they're your sheep, right? He's 80 watching somebody else's sheep. He's got a stuttering problem we're going to get into. And he's a fugitive running from the law. So when he hears God's promise and then he looks at his life, nothing makes sense. And we know that feeling. And maybe some of you have felt it in this series. You've heard us talking about God's got a plan for you. And maybe, just maybe, you're going, "Uh uh-huh. If God really had a plan for me, then why am I going through this? I mean, if we were honest, if God really had a plan for me, then why'd that happen? Because that's not right, and that's not fair, and that doesn't, this is not the dream. If he really was working, if he really had a plan, if he really had a future, then why does my situation look like this, right? It's a fair question, and that's exactly what Moses is asking. And see, but what I think Moses would tell us if he were here today, I think Moses would have a whole bunch to say, but I think one of the things he would say would be something like this. Look, it doesn't matter how impossible your situation may look right now. It doesn't matter how impossible the dream that God's put in your heart may feel right now. Your situation, it doesn't phase your God and it doesn't cancel your calling because our God specializes in impossible situations. 
Now, let me say that again. It doesn't matter how impossible you feel like your situation is right now. And it doesn't matter how impossible the dream he's put in your heart may seem. I think Moses would tell us your situation, it doesn't phase your God and it doesn't cancel your calling because our God specializes in impossible situations. And if anyone would know, it'd be Moses. He lived it. Today, I want to back up a little bit in the text. We've sort of picked up this text and been working from the point that we already read where Moses got called by God. I want to back up a little bit. Before the nation of Israel was in slavery. Before the nation of Israel was in slavery, the, quote, nation of Israel was a family. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and whoever in that family was still alive. They moved to Egypt for food. Some of you know your Bible. Some of you have been around church for a while. And that family is what people, or at least they called the nation of Israel. It was a family. But the family started growing pretty quick. And so the king, the Pharaoh, he started getting worried. What's up with this this family over here reproducing like rabbits? Like we got to do something one of these days, they might get so, so big, so numerous, that they would actually, like, overthrow us. And we can't have that. And so the, the beginning of Exodus shows us that what they decided to do was make them into slaves. They put slave masters over this family who we call the nation of Israel to make sure that they just didn't outgrow the Egyptians and one day overthrow them. Well, some time goes by and the king goes, and you know what? That's not enough because they're still growing at a rate that I'm uncomfortable with. And so he passed a new law. From now on, when any Israelite woman has a child, if it's a girl, it can live. If it's a boy, you have to kill it right then, right there, no questions asked. And if you don't, you die. This is an impossible situation for a boy to be born into. And this is exactly when Moses enters the scene. Watch this, Exodus 2, verses 1 through 3. Now a man of the tribe of Levi, married to a Levite woman, married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. She hid him because there was a new law that said he had to be killed. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now again, you're probably familiar with this story even if you didn't grow up in church. But especially if you've been around church for a while, you've heard this a whole bunch of times. And so sometimes we read this so fast, we miss the details. We don't actually picture what's happening. I want you to picture this for a second for what it really is. There's a slave girl who has a child that by law has to be killed. And so she takes her three-month-old baby down to the river and she puts him in a basket and she floats him down the river. Now, think about this. If you're standing there watching that happen, and you're going to throw down some odds, right? Like, what are the odds? 
What are the odds that the baby in the basket floating down the river, the first person who sees it by law, it has to be executed. What are the odds that that slave girl's baby floating down the river overthrows the most powerful man on the planet? What are the odds? I mean, if you're there that day and somebody's throwing down odds, what are the odds that that baby floating down the river defeats the most powerful army on the planet? Delivers the children of Israel from 400 years of slavery through a parted Red Sea. What are the odds that that happens? You put 100 bucks on that, you'll break Vegas. What, is, what do you think the odds are? I mean, a billion to one, a trillion to one? I mean, what are the odds? But see, we know what happened. We know what God did. And what it reminds me is this. We don't just serve a let's go God. We serve a God that says let's go against all odds. There's nothing he can't do. There's no situation on this planet that he can't turn around. And that includes yours. I don't know what you're going through today, but you need to hear this. There's not a situation on this planet that our God can't turn around, and that includes yours. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, that's easy for you to say, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happened. And, and honestly, because of the sheer size of our church, I know some of your stories, but most of you, you're probably right. I probably don't. But here's what I do know. I know that there's not a situation in this world that our God can't flip upside down and do miraculous things in. And I know that your situation is not exempt from that. I know that there's no relationship on this planet that God can't fix. There's no broken heart on this planet that God can't mend. There's no tragedy that he can't get you through. There's no dream that he can't make happen. There just isn't. There's not a situation in this world that our God can't turn around, and that includes yours, no matter what you're going through. There's no situation he can't turn around. And listen, Red Rocks Church, there's no past that he can't redeem. And see, Moses knew this one too, because Moses had a past. Some of you know about his past. Some of you may not. Let's read Exodus 2, 11 through 15. One day... After Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Picture it, looking this way and that. Nobody's here. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Some of you knew this about Moses, some of you didn't. Moses was a murderer. Moses had killed a man, then tried to cover it up and bury the evidence, then got caught, then found out that the law was after him, that the king wanted to kill him, and he took off running as a fugitive. And so when God meets him, think about this. When God says, hey, I got a plan for your life. Think about what's going on in his head. You know why he said, who am I? Because he had a past. Because he knows, I killed somebody. I tried to cover it up. I've been on the run. I'm in hiding for years and years and years. He's been processing that guilt and that shame and that regret. And come on, church, we know what that feels like. 
We know what it feels like to have, God's, to have God say, I got something in store for you, but to disqualify yourself before it ever even happens. Because, see, I know my past. I know my sins. And so do you. And we know the guilt that we feel and we know the shame that we feel and we know the regret that we have, right? Like we know our sins better than anybody other than God. We know the ones that some other people see. We know the ones that we hope nobody sees. We know the ones that we've tried to cover up. And so what happens is, is sometimes we're not even listening or allowing God the opportunity to call us to something big because we've disqualified ourselves already. Because of our past, we feel like we just don't qualify for a calling today. Isn't that true? And it's crazy because before we become Christians, at least this is from, was my story, before I was a Christian, I would sit in a room like this and I would go, God doesn't want me because of my sins. And then after becoming a Christian and hoping that he'd use me to do something big, it turned around in my mind and it flipped over to God can't use me because of my sins. And see, if there's one thing we learned from Moses, it's this. There's no past on this planet that our God can't redeem. And I think God said the same thing to Moses that he would say to some of us today. Look, I know. Moses is going, who am I? Like, you know what I've done. And God said, I do. I know. I was there. Same thing he would say to some of us. I know. I know what's happened. I know what you've done. I know what's been done to you that wasn't fair and shouldn't have happened. I know what you've been through. I know the past. I know the pain. I know the heartache. I know the regret. I know the consequences. I think God said to Moses, I know about all that. Let's not talk about that. Let's put some of that behind us. Let's talk about your future, Moses, because there's not a past on this planet that I can't redeem. So let's talk about where I want to take you. He says it to us like this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And I believe some of you need to start standing on this verse. You need to start claiming it. You need to start accepting it. I talked to somebody recently. He said, I, I've asked God to forgive me, but I don't feel forgiven. And I said, listen, bro, you're not forgiven because you feel forgiven. You're forgiven because God's word says you're forgiven. And his word trumps your feelings every time. And some of you need to start standing on the word of God. And when Satan tries to lie to you, when you try to talk yourself out of your calling, when somebody else tries to talk you out of it, you go, no, 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 you're not going to talk me out of what God's calling me to do and what God's put on my heart. Because, yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've been through some stuff. But that's old. The old is gone. The new has come. He loves me. He died for me. He forgave me. So when it comes to my calling, yes, I can. See, we stand on the word of God. And it starts to change things. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. There's no situation on this planet our God can't turn around, and that includes yours. And there's no past that he can't redeem, and that includes yours. And there's no person that he can't use, and that includes you. But see, Moses, he wouldn't believe it at first. Watch this, Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I... I have never been eloquent, 
neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Moses had a stuttering problem. I mean, put that with all his other problems. And he knows now, he realizes, what you're, you're asking me to be a deliverer. You're asking me to go have conversations with the most powerful man in the world. But I stutter. I can't. And, and, and listen, he's going he's gonna to want the same thing we're going to want. God, take away my weakness so I can go walk in my calling. If you want me to be a deliverer, you got to take away my stutter, right? God says, no. He says, listen, I'm calling you to be a deliverer, and you happen to stutter. So guess what? You're going to be a deliverer who stutters. Now walk in your calling. I remember telling God, I can't, I can't be a pastor. I get scared to death to talk in front of people. I have so much anxiety, like I can't do it. And it was like, God, and I, and I remember saying, take it away. Take away my weakness so I can go do it. God says, that's not how I work. You walk in your calling with your weakness. Then you watch my power show up. So yeah, you're called to be a pastor. And yeah, you currently have anxiety. So at least for now, you're going to be a pastor with anxiety. Now walk in the calling. See, we, we spend so much time praying, God, take away my weakness. And I think so many times God says, that's not how this is going to work. You start walking in your calling with your weakness, and then you watch me work. He said it better. He said it like this. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Some of you need to hear this today. God's power overshadows your weakness, so you can pursue your calling. God's power is so much greater than your weakness. Don't ever let it stop you from pursuing your calling. You walk in your calling with your weakness, and then he says, now you watch me work. That's how it happens. I want you to know that God has a plan for you. You may not feel it. You may not get it. You may not understand it. You may not see it yet, but he has a plan for you. And yeah, it's going to be scary, and it's going to be confusing, and there's going to be times when you are overwhelmed. And so that's why you need to remember some of these things that, that Moses had to learn. That there's no situation that God can't turn around. And that includes yours. And there's no past that God can't redeem. And that includes yours. And there's no person that God can't use. And that includes you. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to dream. Don't ever stop. Band, come on up. Because of the nature of this series, I've been thinking a lot about my own dreams, my own calling. As I've known, I'm going to come talk to you about yours and, and ours. And, and it's, it's funny because sometimes people talk to me about the church, especially other people in ministry, and they'll say, man, what's it feel like, you know, to, to have your dreams come true? And I'm like, feels like a lot of pressure. That's what it feels like. What I really think is, see, although this in many ways is a dream come true, that I get to be a part of this church family with you, this is not like my big dream. My big dream, as, as long as I can remember, was to be a dad. That's what I dreamed of. 
And, and maybe part of that's because I've never met my real dad. I don't know, but I always dreamed of being a dad. And, and just in the last few months, I, I feel like there's times when I'm like, man, I gotta pinch myself because it almost doesn't feel real. Because I have three boys that I love so much. I tell my wife, I'm like, babe, I, I love them so much. I feel like my chest hurts, my heart hurts. And, and listen to this one, we were sitting at dinner the other night and we love asking the boys, what do you wanna do when you grow up? Just because it's fun, not because we think they won't change their mind. And, 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 and one of them said, I wanna be a pastor. And then he pointed over to me across the table and he said, I wanna be just like you when I grow up, daddy. And I'm like, check please. <laughs> I'm like, this is a dream come true for me. And I'm, I'm under no false assumptions that he's gonna continue feeling that way for a long time. But I'm gonna take it while it's there. One of my boys, we were leaving church recently and he said, I said, what were you doing during worship today? And he said, dad, you know that movie we watched? Don't judge me, Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> I said, yeah, shh, don't tell your mom. <laughs> No, not really. Jill watched it with us. Can you believe it? It's her fault. He said, Dad, remember that, that movie Hacksaw Ridge? I said, yeah. He said, that's what I was doing uh, during worship today. I just kept praying. God, give me one more person to pray for. God, give me one more person. God, give me one more person to pray for. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. And, and one of my boys, his, he had assignment this, this last week in school that he was supposed to create his own country. And so I went into the dining room. There's this huge piece of poster board out on the table and it's his own country. And at the top of it, it says Cray, C-H-R-A-Y. And I'm like, oh, I'm a cool dad. I know what that means. That's like crazy. That's like <laughs> Cray. Yo, that's Cray. And my son goes, that's not what it means, dad. It means Christians pray. And I went, oh yeah, I know. Now I'm testing you, bro. And in the corner, there's a flag that he created for his country. I said, what's that? He said, oh, that's our country's flag. And on the country flag, it says, we love God and nothing else matters. And guys, I, I'm trying to take it all in, right? I'm just, I'm trying to go, God, I don't deserve to have this. Like, this is my dream come true. And I couldn't help but think of me and my mom's start in life compared to where I'm at right now. And, and forgive me, because I know some of you know my story, but when I was a, when I was a baby, my mom was a, a single mother a, and she was a heroin addict. And, and she put me in a car seat and she went and put me on a stranger's porch with a note attached. And then she went and jumped off of a bridge into oncoming traffic to kill herself. And I started thinking this week, what if you were in Wichita, Kansas, when that happened? Like, what if you were on the bridge and you're watching this single mother heroin addict right as she jumps? And what if you were to throw down some odds? What are the odds that this single mother heroin addict who just jumped, what are the odds that she doesn't die? And that she ends up becoming a nurse and giving her life to Jesus and starting Hospice Care of America and spending every single day helping hurting people and telling them about how good Jesus is. What are the odds that happens? You'll break Vegas with those odds, but that's what happened. <laughs> what if you went 
went to the porch where she put me in this car seat with a note. I don't know how she picked the house. I mean, think about how much pain she was in. She put me on a porch, and what if you're on that porch putting down some odds? What are the odds that kid makes it? That one day he has children that love Jesus and that for a living he gets to stand on a stage and tell people how good God is. You break Vegas with those odds. See, here's, here's what the story of Moses reminds us of, Red Rocks Church. We don't just serve a God of let's go. We serve a God of let's go against all odds. And so no matter what you're called to do, no matter how crazy the dream feels, no matter how bad your situation looks right now, there's not a situation in this world he can't turn around. There's not a past he can't redeem, and there's not a person he can't use. And every single bit of that applies to you today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you're with us right now in this moment. I thank you so much that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us, even when we don't have a clue what that is. And God, I pray right now that you would just bring some supernatural peace in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I know that you're in heaven right now interceding for us. Would you pray for us today? that we could have peace in the middle of some crazy situations, that we could trust you in the middle of some things that don't make any sense, and that we could pursue some impossible dreams that you've put in our hearts. With everyone's eyes closed and nobody looking around at every single campus, let me ask a couple questions. I wanna, I wanna give you a chance to respond to what God might be doing in your heart right now. And the first one is this. You're in the middle of something. And hearing God has a plan and trying to reconcile that with what you're going through, it doesn't make a lot of sense right now. And so today you say, God, I need you to show up in the middle of my situation. I not only ask for your peace, but I ask for your strength and I ask for your power, your miraculous divine power to start turning things around in my situation. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? And I just want to pray for you today. Yeah, hands everywhere. The second question is this. I've been up here talking, but the truth is God's been talking to you and he's calling you. Right now you can tell he's getting your attention. He's saying, let's go. And you know, like right now, God's calling you into a personal relationship with him. And you just know, like, this is my moment. I need to turn from my past life and I need to put my faith in Jesus and see the life he has in store for me, not just in the here and now, but because I want heaven forever. And right now, you know, this is your moment. I want to put my trust in Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand at every single location. Raise them high. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Good, 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 good. Hands everywhere, church. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives right now in our families right now, in our relationships right now, in our church right now. I pray for supernatural peace and strength. And God, I thank you ahead of time for the miraculous ways you're gonna start flipping situations upside down. I thank you ahead of time for the miraculous testimonies that we're gonna have because of what you've done in our life. And for every single person, 
who's experiencing salvation right now. I thank you, God, for this moment. I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed. It is our absolute honor to worship you with music. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Red Rocks Church, at every single location, can we stand up and let's worship.